directly on either side, the folding wooden chair by my writing desk, and then the piano stool, pushed under the upright. She chose the Louis Quinze, sitting neatly with crossed legs, straightening her skirt and regarding me directly. Her skin was pale, almost translucent, but her cheeks were bright with colour. I was convinced that I had met this woman before, something in the cheekbones, her mouth. A thrill of anticipation washed over me, like the excitement that comes with the first ink on a fresh score sheet, the beginnings of a new composition. What was it that she stirred in me? I grasped at a memory just beyond reach. But there is only so long that you can look at someone's face without appearing to stare, and after a few seconds I was forced to look away without an answer. I should have looked harder. My clients usually chose the shabby comfort of the leather couch on the starboard side, its back against the towpath, giving whoever sat there a view out over the water. Unhappy people in particular seemed drawn to the water. Typically I would take the Voltaire opposite, but now it was too close to where Amandine was sitting, so I tried to arrange myself as professionally as possible on the couch. The problem was my height. The low couch is fine for stretching out on at night, but if I sit normally it collapses me down, folds me in three. I settled on a compromise, sitting sideways, leaning against the armrest with my legs stretched out into the room. She must have sensed my discomfort, but Amandine said nothing. Instead she dropped her eyes to the knotted floorboards, where that same yellow light fell across the dark varnish, and over my bare feet which rested a short distance from her own, small, neat, and still wearing the vibrant green shoes, so discordant with her otherwise neutral appearance. I tried not to think of violins, of a train between stations, of a woman. Amandine glanced up and caught my eye. I'm sorry. Her voice was as fine as mist. Should I take my shoes off? However you'd be most comfortable, I told her. She brought her hands together in her lap, lifted her chin and regarded me with calm, appraising eyes, the colour of lichen. With the sun reflecting off the water behind her, making her hair glow like pearl, the first silence bloomed in the space between our bodies. I waited, as always, for my client to break it. But Amandine seemed perfectly at ease, letting the silence settle, until the absence of our voices was less noticeable than the creak of Condice on her mooring and the distant bark of dogs. She relaxed back against the violet chair-back, recrossing her legs and folding her fingers together. "'It's very quiet here,' she said. "'Yes.' Doesn't it drive you mad? I smiled at the question, and after a moment so did she. No, well, she said, I guess you prefer it that way. I have to say I'm more of a city person, but I didn't mean to be rude. Not at all. Newcomers often find Condice unsettling, to begin with, but most grow to love her in the end. What are your first impressions? I've never been on a houseboat before. 
Strange, really, after so many years in Toulouse. Amandine looked out along the towpath thoughtfully. In the galley the cafetiere hissed on the stove. I had forgotten to offer her coffee. I rose awkwardly. So, I said. Yes, she said. Indeed. Amandine looked up at me warily. So, well, I can see why you're so fond of her. That was quite an assumption. Is that so obvious? She ran a fingertip along the curve of her lower lip. Your kindred spirits, she said. Taken aback by her assertion, I just stood there for a moment, caught in her gaze. Had she answered my question or avoided it completely? Amandine leaned forward slightly and closed her eyes in concentration. I'm surprised you can't feel the movement of the water more. Two more breaths.